we can like pick up from scripture, right? That, that we are still blessed, that every family, that when we're watching the news, when we're hearing about things going on, that those families would be blessed because God spoke that. Not because of mankind, but because God, who's unchanging, spoke that that would happen. In John, you, you guys know this scripture well, but I don't think we sit in it very often. In John 3.16, we see, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If, if your eyes have been open for like half a minute, you know that it feels like we're all perishing. It feels like it's all going down sometimes. But God loved you, me, this world. He loved his creation and sent his son into it. I, I, was, I was reading, uh, and I was doing this because I have to for seminary, not because this is my interest. But it, there, there was these, like, sick, uh, these pastors in the 1600s who were talking about creation. And one of them said uh, that the way that they see creation is that the son said, you know, because it, it says, let us make man in our image. So it's this collective thing at, at creation. It's like the Trinity at work at creation. And, and this, uh, this pastor, I love what he said. He said, it's as if the son Jesus said, hey, I want to give my life. I want to sacrifice my life for mankind. And then the father said, well, then it would be my honor to create mankind. I thought that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way of describing this, that he so loved us that he gave his son. In John 16, we see that Jesus is going away and he's preparing his disciples like, hey, I'm, I'm headed away, but this is good for you. Because I'm sending the, the counselor, I'm sending the helper, I'm sending the Holy Spirit in my stead. The Holy Spirit's going to come and, and through him you're going to do the very things that I have done and even more. That's what scripture says. I don't know that we live into that all the time, but that's what the scriptures say. And he, he sends the Holy Spirit who is to dwell within us. Right? Think on that for a second. If that doesn't sound weird to you, I don't think you get what he's saying. The Spirit of God is sent to dwell within you and within me. When we believe in him, all of a sudden God, the creator, the almighty, the one who brings order and beauty to everything dwells within you. And he's not just like hanging out on a lazy boy. He's doing work. And so my mind is like, what's the work that he's doing? Like, wh what is it inside? Paul calls his work fruit. The work that he does within us is the fruit that the Spirit produces. Here, here's our text for this series. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This, like if, I hope you are praying for our church. And as you are praying for our church, this is our prayer for the next two months. That this begins to be the fruit within us. Now it's funny, every time that I hear this, we say fruits of the Spirit, right? We, we usually say fruits, like it's like a fruit salad. It, that's not what Paul says. That's what we say. And I think part of why we say it is because we want it to be that. Yeah. I want this to be fruits. Because then I can say like, oh, I'm allergic to that banana. <laughs> that joy, that's not me. 
I pick that out. You know, like someone gives me fruit salad, I guarantee you I'm picking stuff out. I'm going to eat the things that taste like candy, and I'm not going to eat the rest. That's kind of how it works. And, and, and we kind of treat this like it is like a buffet of fruit, and you go pick your favorites. And everybody just represents a different fruit. Like, oh, that person, they're really good, so they get a pass on everything else because they get all their vitamin C through that one. That's not it. This is a f- the fruit of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is not like this crazy tree within you that produces 75 different kinds of fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells within you and, and like a vine or a tree produces fruit. And these are the descriptors of that fruit. So if you eat a good piece of fruit, there's, there's texture and there's flavor and there's like a juiciness to it and there's a ripeness to it. All of these things are descriptor words of that fruit, right? That's what this is. There is one fruit that the Holy Spirit produces within us. From today until the day that I meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within me going to be producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in a way that my father may be able to look down and say, that work, I'm well pleased. With that, I'm well pleased. And when we neglect an area like, well, I'm living into most of these, but I have no self-control, that is like a piece of fruit that is never ripening. And so it's never good. Or like, yeah, I'm, I'm really joyful and I'm really um, patient, but I have no love for anybody because they have hurt me. Well, that is like a bitter piece of fruit. Nobody really wants that. So as we think of this, like... This is, this is the fruit that the Spirit produces within us, and we're looking at love today. And love is, like, love is like the exploding flavor of this fruit. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, several of the other characteristics of this fruit are come up, right? Because love is patient and love is kind. Those are descriptors of the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, the big noticeable part of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said that they will know us by our love. Like, if we don't have love, this fruit is, is well, it's pretty, pretty worthless. In Matthew 22, Jesus says it this way. He's asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. A second like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And often when we read something like that, we're like, oh, my love of my neighbor. And we feel convicted that we are not loving our neighbor. And honestly, I think the church needs to feel more convicted because I think we do a poor job of loving our neighbor. But I don't think it's because we don't love our neighbor. Because we hear something like that and we're like, oh, I need to do a better job and I need to do more and I need to put it on my calendar and I need to roll up my sleeves. And I need to, every time I go to my car, I need to leave five minutes earlier in case there's a conversation and we wear ourselves out. I think we'd love our neighbor exactly like we love ourselves, And I don't think we love ourselves. I think we are living into that one. And if Jesus looked at his church, he'd say, my beautiful bride, will you please recognize me at work within you? Will you please give yourself a little less credit? And will you please give me some credit here? 
when I think of us, I think we are loving our neighbor exactly like we love ourselves. You look at the way that we handle our schedules. You look at the way that we handle our diet. You look at the way that we handle everything. We heap stress and pressure on ourselves. And anything that gives us life, we think must be horrible. And so we doubt and we beat ourselves up. I was, I was at a pastor's conference this week. And um, if you've never been to one of those, uh, <laughs> it's really interesting because you get all these pastors from around the country and you listen to these great speakers and you collect together and we, we all get together and what happens is everybody feels incredibly insecure, incredibly insecure. Everybody feels like, oh, everyone else is flourishing and I'm the failure. I, I don't do this well enough. I don't do that well enough. And, and you're like worshiping and you're crying, but you're not even thinking about Jesus. You're just crying. Like, I'm just a rat. I mean, Jamal's not crying, but I'm crying for both of us. And that's just what it is. And you're like measuring up next to each other. It's, it's like middle school again, but you're all pastors and like fake sanctified at the moment. And it's incredibly insecure. And a lot of it is we're just flying, right? Everybody's just flying around and never takes time to say, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you see in, in me? I think of, uh, I don't know if you're like this, I've realized my mom is much smarter the older I get. Like when I was young, my mom wasn't real smart, right. and now my mom is brilliant. And my mom has always said the same thing to me. I love being a part of like a thousand things. And so still, I'll call her and I'll be like, hey, I get to do this, you know, and I'll rattle off all this stuff. And she will calmly say, Matt, you can't give anything you don't have. Just remember, you can't give anyone something you don't have. And for a million years, I was like, yeah, okay, mom, that doesn't even make sense. And I'd be shocked that I was worn out and tired. And my mom just keeps saying the same thing. You can't give what you don't have. And we're told the second commandment, this great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And you cannot give what you don't have. And if you don't love yourself, how in the world are you going to love your neighbor? Really what ends up happening oftentimes, I just invite them into my hurry. And I just say like panicky, I'm like throwing my, my weight onto them. That, that's, not, that's not love. And your neighbor knows. So I, I've, I've been kind of paying attention to how we tell our, our story. I think there's a pattern for a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us. We tell of an encounter with God where we realize that he loved us, that he loves us so deeply. And we, we, we like put a pin on that, this moment. We, we do. We build like a little altar. That moment, we knew we were loved. And then we spend 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years trying to repay that love. Let me go do the things that you invite me to do because you loved me in that moment. That's not when he loved you. But, but I don't think we know that. He didn't love you just in that moment that you noticed that he loved you. He loved you well before that and well after that. And his love should never grow stale in us. It shouldn't grow stale. And so that's what we're praying. You might have noticed even the order of our worship is different today. I, some of you walked in and I was already talking. You're like, am I really late? No, you're normal late. 
we moved some songs to the end. And we're going to sing a little bit more to, to be focused on this very thing. But we got to talk about it because we're too busy in thinking and all this kind of stuff. You guys, church, we're, you're loved. Like today, if you had a horrendous night last night, if you fought your way to church today, you're loved. You're loved. You're the very purpose of Jesus coming to earth is so that you would know that your mess is not greater than the spirit within you. It's not. And you weren't just loved in that ugly first moment. You're loved like today. And when you're out like doing your best for the kingdom, you are like a kid on a swing set swinging as high as you can. And your father looks and says, I'm proud of you and I love you. But all the heavy lifting is really done by him, guys. We kind of joke, I joke that I'm like doing something really hard. No, I, I, I really just talk. I drink coffee and I talk. That's all I do. And God moves. And he does that because he loves us. Not because we're good at drinking coffee and good at talking. He does it because he loves us. And he loves this little place called Old Louisville. And he loves this bigger place called Louisville. This bigger place called Kentucky. And all the families in the earth. They're to be blessed because he loves them. And it's to happen through us. At your core, you are who God says you are. Well, you know that? At the core of who you are, you are not the, the, the sins that you label yourself as. You're not your profession. You're not whatever titles and, and roles you've picked up along the way. At your core, you are who he says that you are. You are a beloved daughter of the King Most High. You are a beloved son of the creator of this whole thing. And when you rest tonight, he keeps spinning it. So tomorrow you can be loved again. But I, I want to invite you to sit into a passage with me. Uh, open up your Bibles if you have it with you. Uh, John 21. And we're going to sit in this. And this might feel like an odd passage for this. But this is a, a passage where God has really met me. And where he's been teaching me this very thing. So I want to invite you into it and trust that his spirit will produce fruit in all of us together, okay? So we're talking about Peter here. And uh, wh what do we know about Peter? What do you guys know? Shout something out. He cuts off people's ear. Short-tempered. Speaks first. Faithful. In prison. Yeah, seriously, we need to talk more about that. I mean, really, God loved this guy who was immensely prejudiced. Yeah, he's a disciple. He's all of these things. He is, Peter, in, in, if you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Peter is one of the closest people to Jesus. And he goes everywhere with Jesus. Peter gets his name changed. Like Jesus looks at him and gives him a nickname. He calls him the, the rock, which like if you ever want to name someone who's kind of arrogant and always speaks first, don't call him the rock. <laughs> like don't give him more reason to do that. He invites him into this inner thing. He was a fisherman. Jesus invited him out of the boat and he ran out of that boat and followed Jesus all over the place and saw all these miracles. He tried to defend Jesus, cut off an ear, do all this, but Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, nah, not me. I'm the rock. 
sure enough, he denies him three times. And then after Jesus, Jesus dies, he's crucified. He raises to life. And this interesting thing happens. After he raises to life, after the disciples see him, Peter goes back to his old life. He sees Jesus again with his own eyes, sees that Jesus is alive, and then Peter thinks he's back to who he used to be. He tells the guys, hey, I'm going fishing. And reality is, in that time that he walked with Jesus, he became a leader. So he goes fishing, and everybody goes fishing with him. And they're all catching fish. No, they're not. They're all trying to catch fish. Nothing comes in. This probably is reminding him of a previous time. Somebody shouts from the shore, hey, cast your net out again. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. I'm the pro. Cast his net out, and the boat's about to sink. There's so many fish. And that's a replay to, like, that very first moment when he realized who Jesus was. Peter throws off his, like, outer clothes because he would drown in it probably. And in, like, his little Speedo underwear, he swims to the shore because he's sure that the one who yelled is Jesus. And they have breakfast together around the campfire. And Jesus invites Peter to go for a little walk. And they have this beautiful, precious little moment. Look at uh, verse 15 with me. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? A pastor recently pointed out, we don't know what these are. We don't know if it's, it's the other disciple. Do you love me more than they do? Do you love me more than the fish? We don't, we don't know what it is. But he points out, do, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says back, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to a th the third time, do you love me? And Peter replied, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus called Simon Peter, right? Until this passage, he calls him Simon again. I think he's acting like Simon. I think he's not being Peter. He's out fishing with his boys again. He's discouraged. He's defeated. He denied Jesus. I think he's labeling himself by his failure, and Jesus sees him in that and calls him it and says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Whatever these are, we don't know. He says, yes, and then we see right there that he, that he says, okay, then feed my lambs, right? The text doesn't tell us this, but this is what, in my spirit, the Holy Spirit has laid on me and that is producing fruit in my life. I believe that Peter is wired like a lot of us. And in that moment, where it's feed my lambs, Simon Peter sees this is my chance. I'm going to go prove myself. I'm going to go be the best lamb feeder this city's ever seen. And I'm going to prove how much I love him. And he probably was about to go run away to go feed everybody. And Jesus called him out on it and asked him again, do you love me? Yes, tend my sheep. He's not actually talking about sheep, right? He's talking about people. 
And he's like, okay, I'm going to go be the best pastor to your people to prove that I love you, to prove that I'm lo- all of it. I'm going to go prove it. I'm going to go earn it. I'm going to go show my work. My sleeves are up. I'm going to exhaust myself in pastoring your people because you need to know that I'm the best at loving you. And then the third time he says, but, whoa, Simon, do you love me? Now, the Greek on that one isn't love. It's like Jesus says, hey, 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 Simon, do you even like me? The third one, he changes it. Do you, do you even like me? Peter's grieved. He's ready to give up. And for a second, he's not proving himself. And he says, hey, you know me. You know me more than I do. And you know if I love you. And then I think he gets commissioned again. And in that moment, something's changed. And Jesus says, okay, now go feed my sheep. Anytime I sit and think about if I actually love Jesus, my tendency is to go show my work. It's to go do work. Do I love you? Oh, I'll show you I love you. We go like tell random, like even animals about Jesus. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray over cars if there's not people in them. I'm going to do it. I'm going to show that I love them. And then God sometimes makes it so that I am not able to go out and show my work. There, there have been times where God has asked me if I love him, and, and there is no way for me to do anything, and, and I'm just stuck with the question, do I love you? And my heart's response is, I, I think so. I think I love you. But any time that I think about me actually loving Jesus, all I can think about is how loved I am by Jesus, not like 50 years ago, but like in that second. Oh, that's right, you love me today. So I remember I was, uh, I was 18 years old, and uh, I was a senior in high school, and my church, my youth pastor, uh, he kind of, his life fell apart. So he, he had to leave, uh, he, he made some really bad choices, had to leave the church. They didn't have anybody, so they said, Matt, will you be our youth pastor? Uh, sure, I don't know any better. So I started, like, we just would read the Bible together, and we'd pray together and play basketball, because that's what I like to do. And uh, I, I just, in, you know, threw my life on everybody else. And, and so we're doing that, and I remember we went to a Bible camp a couple months later. And so I'm 18. i got to prove myself, right? I don't de- deserve this. I haven't earned it. Like, I've got to be somebody. And I remember the Bible camp happened. The night happened. Worship happened. And it was one of those days where the Holy Spirit's just moving on people. And people are crying, and people need prayer. And it's this beautiful moment. But I am running around like a chicken because I've got all these kids to tend to. I've got these sheep to go feed. And I'm acting like somehow my prayer is worth more than other people's prayer, you know, because I'm 18. So I'm running around like praying over all these people, and I'm running throughout the room. And I remember God's spirit speaking to my heart, and he said, Matt, I love you. And I was like, leave me alone. I've got work to do. Not even kidding. And I'm running around the room, and I remember my brother was in the front of the room. I was in the back of the room. My brother was in the front of the room. And I I knew that I wanted to pray for him because he's my brother and I love my brother. And I wanted to get to him. And God pushed on my heart again like, I love you, Matt. And I was so annoyed. (laughs) Quit it. I'm trying to talk to you. Don't cut me off. 
This happened like three, four times. Finally, again, like the, the clearest thing, it wasn't an audible thing, but the clearest thing, the only thing that my mind could think of is that God was saying to me, Matt, I love you. And my response was, but I'm not doing anything. And I said it out loud. I freaked some kids out. It was funny to kids. That's why we have children in worship. They think I'm hilarious. You adults. That was my response, though. I'm not doing anything. And I sat down, and I started bawling because I realized I can't earn this thing. No amount of God didn't ask me to do work so that he would love me. He loved me so that I could do work. He loved me so that my life could have meaning, that it could be rich, that it could be, I could be free. He loves you so that you can do the very thing you were created to do. If he wanted that stuff done, just because he wanted done, he would get it done. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He loves us. It's like when I'm out raking the yard and the, my kids are helping. It is slower. Anna loves to mow with me. You know what's the hardest thing if the point is mowing yard? When Anna mows with me. But one of my favorite moments of the week is when Anna mows with me. And she's mowing the yard. And I'm pushing the mower. And I'm making sure she doesn't get cut or hurt or any of this kind of stuff. But my little girl can mow the yard because there's dad's work. And that's the moment where I get to show my little girl that I love her. You get to work in the kingdom of God because you were wired to work in the kingdom of God. But it's not to earn anything. It's not because he needs your sleeves up and he can't get it done without you. No. He chose to do it through us because he loves us. And he knows that we need meaning in our life. And so he says, okay, kids, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring my kingdom here to earth. And we're going to change the whole ball game. And we're going to make this fruit that I put within you be the fruit that is within everybody. Now go live out of that love. And we're invited to do that very thing. But guys, we can do nothing if we've forgotten that we're loved. I've thought there were deeper theological things that I need to learn. There is nothing more that you ever need to learn than the fact that your heavenly father loves you so much. That his son came and gave his life for you. Don't ever advance past that. Don't ever advance past that. Let me give you three things really quick that will make sure that this fruit matures within us. If a tree produces fruit, then we, we have to water it, right? If you lose sight of the fact that you're loved, you need to water that. Open up scripture. If you don't have a Bible, come, come talk to us. If you don't know how to read the Bible, then let us read it together. We've got some small groups together. We can set up something. We can invent something if that's what you need. But let's read the Bible. For me, something helpful, I pay attention to what music I listen to. Whatever I listen to, I start living out of. And so for me, it's real important that I'm listening to worship music. Because that reminds me that I'm loved. Sometimes I like to listen to stuff that points out how heavy the world is. You know what I think about all day? How heavy the world is. I'm pretty aware of that, though. Just living through the day. I, I, I kind of know. I need to remember that I'm loved. So I make sure that I'm in spaces where we're singing, where that's what's playing. Make sure you have some relationships that water that love within you. Trees need 
sun, right? They need to just sit there in the sun. Sometimes you need to sit in prayer. You need to sit in contemplation. You need to, like, think on the idea that you are loved and have, like, a whole cup of coffee where all you think about is the fact that you're loved. And if you're uncomfortable, that means the Spirit's at work. Sit still past that moment where you're uncomfortable. And like, Lord, will you teach me that I'm loved? Usually we're asking, like, will you teach me deep theological, con- will you teach me what you think on this? No, sit and ask him, will you teach me that I am loved? Not that I was loved, but that I am loved. As, th- as this, like, messy dude today, that I am loved. And the final thing that I'm convinced we need to do more of is pull some weeds. This love is getting choked off because we have way too many voices. There's not a way for that water to get to you, the sun to get to you. There are messages that you are listening to, that you are giving voice in your life that you need to stop listening to. And if that's on a social media site, then pull yourself off of it. You can go back on some other day. You don't need it. If that's a relationship in your life, confront it. That's a worthy conversation. If you need to cut off something, cut that off. Like, we need to get rid of some of these voices that tell us that we are something else. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. If you have thoughts that tell you other things, do the work to replace those thoughts. See, we think like, oh, I'm just not going to think that. And then we have empty space and another negative thought comes in. No, you actually have to replace the thought. I constantly feel like I am not enough, so I need to replace that thought with a true thought. If I'm measured in this world, I'm not enough. I'm not measured by this world. I'm measured by my Father. This is that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to sit and memorize that scripture until I believe it. And that's not a way of having your sleeves up. That's a way of saying, Spirit, will you work within me, produce this fruit within me, where I start to believe that I am who you say that I am and nothing else, nothing more and nothing less. And if we do this work, the sweetest of fruit will be produced within us. So we're going to start now. In a, in a few minutes, you'll, we'll get a chance to receive communion. We've got a chance to just worship together. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to spread out, spread out. If you want someone to pray with you, go go towards that lamp over there or that lamp over there. We'll have people over there who would love to pray with you. Let's act like the most urgent thing in our life is that we know that we are loved. Because I actually believe the most urgent thing in our life is that we know that we are loved. And everything else can flow out of that.